families are hurting, if the families are struggling, then the church is going to struggle, right? And so we're praying that God would send revival to churches like this one, and maybe God will spark that this week in your home, and that will spread over to the whole church. Uh, we're so thankful for what God is doing, and I thank the Lord for my wife. Oh, she just went to check on the little ones. But I tell you what, uh, if you pray for us, please do, but pray for my wife, poor thing. But she's a blessing. I cannot imagine uh, life without her. Uh, isn't it great when you can't remember, what was it like before we were married? You have to kind of think way back. And once I get there, I say, oh, I'm glad I'm, 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 glad I'm on this side. I'm glad, so glad for these past years, 15 It'll be 16 in June, uh, wonderful years serving the Lord together, um, and now she's traveling around the country with me. Uh, we live in a, uh, when we're on the road, in a 36-foot travel trailer with five kids, lots of slide-outs, okay, <laughs> but still, um, it's, it's, a, it's a joy and a blessing to serve the Lord together, and uh, somehow she makes it home, she makes it a joy and a blessing, and I thank the Lord for her. Um, go ahead, if you have your Bible, or otherwise just turn in your head or just listen uh, to a passage here from Ephesians chapter 5. I want to draw your attention to some familiar scripture that I hope you've heard before. I'm sure you have. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about husbands and wives. And just to summarize before I start reading some of the scripture, uh, this chapter emphasizes different responsibilities The husband is told to love his wife. That's not to say that the wife shouldn't love her husband, but the husband is commanded to love his wife. And then the wife is commanded to to submit, and then later the word is used, reverence her husband. You have this idea of love and submission in Ephesians chapter 5, which we're familiar with. Um, But I'd like to kind of make the point tonight that both sides need both. Okay, husbands... You are commanded to love, um, and the wife is commanded to submit and to reverence her husband. Uh, but we both need love. We both need reverence, uh, maybe in different ways, because obviously we're made differently. God designed us differently. Um, but there, God is able to take these truths, and as we walk together and grow together, I believe God is able to use these ingredients of love, and I'm going to call respect or reverence. Those two ingredients are are powerful in a relationship. And I'm going to read some of these verses, and then we'll we'll pray and ask the Lord to turn our hearts to the scripture uh, tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as uh, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Um, And let me skip down a little bit. Verse 28, it says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Uh, I love that part, by the way, guys. Uh, the Lord knows how to talk our language, all right? You know how to love yourself, then you shouldn't have any trouble loving your wife. Uh, we, can be self, we can be selfish creatures. And he's, he's, he's talking our language here. If you, if you know how to take care of yourself, uh, and by the way, we do that. Stub your toe, you get a splinter, 
you're working. We, we know how to take care of our own needs. How much more we should be able to take care of our wives. Amen. Um, verse 29 says, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And then I want to read the last verse of this chapter. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So that summary verse mentions two aspects. Husbands, in summary, love your wife. Wives, in summary, reverence your husband. And traditionally, that's kind of the, the focus. And yet, there's more than one passage that deals with the home and with marriage. This passage emphasizes the husband's responsibility to love his wife. But that's not to say he shouldn't reverence her. He should. And let's just pause for a moment and ask the Lord to help us here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. We've had fun tonight. We've had good food. We've had fellowship. And now, Lord, give us a nugget from your word that would stick deep in our hearts. Lord, we ask for your help. Uh, Lord, there's deep things. There's complex things going on in every relationship in this room. And yet, Lord, your answers are simpler than our problems. And they're, they fit and Lord, I ask that your, that your spirit would take your truth and, and fit it to the needs and the hearts in this room to, to lead us forward, to bring healing, uh, to bring joy, and to bring even uh, good old-fashioned bliss to the marriages in this room. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk tonight about, about chemistry. Amen. I want to talk about chemistry. You talk about relationships, and sometimes you can use that term. Uh, that couple seems to have a good chemistry. What does that mean? Well, I was never a chemist, but I do remember chemistry class. I remember the fun things we did and putting things together and watching them bubble and, and whatnot. And there was one girl in the class uh, decided to pull a little stunt. Uh, we had been warned to just put a little bit of this mixture in and, and it would bubble a little bit and smoke. Well, she poured a lot in. And don't ask me what it was. I don't remember. I just remember the flame that shot up out of her beaker and torched a hole in the, um, the ceiling tile. All right. Alarm went off. The whole class emptied out. I'm sure that girl had some sort of consequences, but she laughed the whole way. I mean, she was one of those people. She just thought it was great. I'm sure her, par her parents probably didn't think it was great when they found out. But uh, it was memorable. So what she did set off quite an explosion. Uh, my, my uncle, uh, my dad's older brother, he's been, a, he's been a chemistry teacher in a Christian school for 50 plus years. That takes a lot of staying power. Uh, but he enjoys showing the kids what can happen when you put two different chemicals together. Um, you know, you take two people, two families, two backgrounds, male and female, amen, all right? That's the way God designed it. Um, there's differences there, and all those different differences are good. It's amazing. It's the differences that drew you together. You know, sometimes a lady, for whatever reason, she's drawn to that young man. He seems so, so quiet and so serious, and for some reason her personality is drawn to the, what do they call that, the, the strong, silent type. And then they get married. And she can't get him to talk. <laughs> Strange. You know, but, but what, what drew them together can sometimes create some chemistry, and it's not always good, and yet there was something good there that drew them together. 
Um, and, and you could flip that around. Uh, the one thing that drew you to your wife might be, might turn out to be something that drives you insane. But hey, that's okay. You know, uh, the, one of the reasons why we drive, we, we can drive each other nuts. And one of the reasons is because we love each other. You know, what, what your wife does, what your husband does, probably bothers you because you care about them. You know, some stranger I meet in Walmart might be annoying or strange, but I don't care what they do because I don't know them. They don't know me. We're not going home in the same car. Not, thank the Lord, not going home to the same. Hey, they don't bother me because I'm not invested in that person. Does that make sense? And yet the person you are close to, the person you love, those differences can really start to, to fester. But I want to bring you back to those good old days in your mind. There were some rose-colored glasses, perhaps. I think the Lord gives us all of that a little bit to help the marriage come together. Amen? Amen. A little bit of blindness. That's okay. But there was some eyesight, too. You saw something in your, in your wife. You saw something in your future husband. And... I believe that the Lord has given us two ingredients, love and respect, that when they are working in the marriage, they create a chemistry. All right, ladies, if your husband really was that knight in shining armor, the one who loved you like Christ loved the church, I mean, he, he was willing to sacrifice and, and give him himself and throw himself in front of trouble to save you. By the way, isn't that what Jesus did? For the church, uh, he, did, he did more than take a bullet, all right? He went to the cross, right? He, he threw himself in front of your and my judgment for our sin. How heroic. How, what, what a deep and unspeakable love that is, right? And every woman has this, I believe, a God-given desire to be loved and protected in that way. And so husbands, that's your role, to love like Christ loves the church. And from the ladies' perspective... I would think most ladies would agree that's that's romantic to have a husband to love you that way. Um, Ladies, believe it or not, having a wife who makes you feel like you're something, makes you feel like a man. That's from our perspective, that's romantic. You know, ladies, when you, I'm not saying submit in some sort of subservient way that the world characterizes it. When we talk about submission, it's not a humiliating thing. It shouldn't be. It's not a debasing thing. It's just rather, he's your king, and you want to serve him. Sorry, ladies, but that, that, that's the idea, okay? Not fetch me my slippers. That's not the idea. We're not talking about a king giving orders, but rather, he's the, he's the, the one that you love, and you've chosen to submit under his leadership. You've chosen to say, hey, where you go, that's where I go. Your wins are my wins. Your losses are my losses. And to actually give him the benefit of the doubt that he might be right. I know that takes faith. (laughs) Look, ladies, if you were to show some, and I know we do, we try, but if you were, if you, if, Ladies, when you speak the language of submission and reverence, from the guy's perspective, that, I don't want to say romantic, but that's powerful. It's powerful in the man's life. 
all heard of strange and heartbreaking situations where guy runs off with some other woman at work, and God forbid that happens, and we hear about that. But what amazes me is the stories I see, and you find out the person he ran off with doesn't compare to his wife in any way. And yet sometimes you, you whittle that down and you find out that, that this random person from the office was bringing coffee, making him feel like a big guy. Now look, what she was doing was evil because that's not her husband, amen? Right? And yet he was, she was speaking a language that's a powerful language. And what happens over time, for men and for women, we start to lose this chemistry. The men are not as, the, their shining armor is not as shiny. Doesn't fit anymore either, by the way. <laughs> hey. You know, you've lost the polish. You might, you might be more willing to stay in that lazy chair and flip channels than to hop up and help your wife and take a burden off of her. Over time, the men lose that self-sacrificing, hey, honey, how can I help attitude, that, that willingness to give and to go the extra mile. And that hurts the marriage. You lose the chemistry. Uh, the wife, after a while, she doesn't see that big hunk of a man. She's thinking, big waste of space in my house. You know, she starts to see his, his faults. She starts to focus on those faults. And he knows about his faults. He knows all of them. You told him. <laughs> He's got the whole speech memorized. And if he doesn't walk out of the room, he turns the volume down. Look, the chemistry is gone. And that's not saying that, that, that if he runs off with some goofball from work, that that is just No, it's not justified. Not at all. I'm just saying God did design certain elements that if we work them, if we nurture them, they can restore and produce and continue the God-given chemistry that, that God wants to be there. A chemistry that produces some, some good sparks and some, some good things and some laughter and some closeness and some intimacy and some help in the marriage. Husbands. Do you give your wife the idea that you move anything aside for her? Does she know that? And ladies, sometimes a husband is doing that, but we don't see it. We got to try to ask God for fresh eyes for both of us. Ladies, try to see the moments or the, the ways that your husband is doing that. The hours he's invested, the, the things he does to, to provide. Husbands, try not to make her use her imagination. <laughs> All right? But, but look, when the husband's working at it and he's showing that kind of love, it produces a chemical, if you will, that, that combined with the wife's um, reverential and submissive spirit, it's a powerful thing. But it's more complex than that because ladies need respect too. Husbands need care. They need love as well. It's different, but it's similar. And if you have your Bible, if you just want to make a mental note, I'm going to jump over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Because in 1 Peter 3, we have a different emphasis for husband and wife. 1 Peter 3 starts out talking about a wife who's married to, quote, a disobedient husband. 
why he's completely disregarding God's word. Or could he not be a, a born-again Christian but just away from the Lord, backslidden, right? So you, either way, whether he's saved or lost, this lady in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 is married to a man who is, quote, disobedient. He's rebelling against God's word. So let me ask you, ladies, in this case, if he's disobedient, is he the loving husband we just talked about? Yes or no? No. He's got a lot of problems, but one of his problems is he's not Christ-like in his love. He's not gentle. He's not self-sacrificing, at least not very often. And so it's hard for her to show the respect, and, the, and it's hard for her to want to submit to someone who's not in submission to God. And yet I'm, I'm convinced we're going to get to heaven. There's going to be an awful lot of ladies who will have a whole stack of crowns and rewards because they chose to do what 1 Peter chapter 3 says, and they chose to submit to that kind of man. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this. I'll read it quickly. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Pause for a minute. It says own husbands. And Paul says that too. Submit to your own husbands. And ladies, if you're not going to submit to your husband because he doesn't qualify, not godly enough, not wise enough, not smart enough, very likely you'll find yourself following some other male leadership. It's built into the woman's God-ordained genetic DNA, if you will, to be under a man. Submit to your own husband, it says. And it says, if any or if any husband obey not the word, they, the husband, may be without words, won by the conversation of the wives. And that word conversation means behavior or lifestyle. Interesting. He's saying, look, if you have a husband who's not obeying God's word, you can win him over without saying a word. Just by your lifestyle. Now that's interesting. Because ladies, I'm not going to pick on you on that not like this. I'm not picking on you, but naturally speaking, if he's a jerk, you want to win him over to the side of right and goodness. Amen? Right? And the natural tendency is to try to bring him over to that side using the tool of words. That's natural. Reminding, correcting, maybe rebuking, whatever. You're going to use some words to try to show this guy that he's doing wrong. To remind him that he's got a long way to go, buddy. And, and maybe even to use Bible verses. But you're going to use a lot of words instinctively to try to get this fellow to turn around. And yet the Bible says you can win without words. It's not saying you're not allowed to talk. Not at all. It's saying the, 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 the golden bullet, sorry, the silver bullet, the, 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 the approach that God says will work has nothing to do with your words, but more something else. He says, while they, talking about the husband, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So they're going to watch your, your purity of life as a Christian. They'll notice that you love the Lord from a pure heart. They're going to notice that you have a devotional life with God. They're, they might even be annoyed by it, but they'll notice that you have a purity of heart, that chastity of heart. And that works on a guy. It works on his conscience. To be in the presence of a, a godly woman. She doesn't have to say a word, but that quiet godliness works. 
says that chastity, that chasteness, coupled with fear, and that means reverence. It does no good, ladies, to be holy and disrespectful. Holy and put it in his face. No, no, no. But when you have that quiet holiness coupled with a reverential attitude, that's, that's spiritual dynamite. That's power in that egg-headed husband's life. He won't listen to preaching. He won't go to church. He won't hear that, that, that preacher. But he can't escape the silent, unspoken message of a godly wife with this kind of internal quality of purity and reverence. Interesting. I'm calling it chemistry, but it's working on her. There's a chemical reaction happening because he can't escape her testimony. But ladies, let me just pause. Do we allow that to happen? This happens when, as it says, he's one without words. That means the instinctive desire to speak has to be overcome by a new mode of godly behavior. Not that you can never talk, but this lady who, cho who chooses the silent weapon is more effective. And it says in verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. Okay, so that as she as she's focusing on meekness and inner purity and a and a reverential spirit, it's hard to show reverence to someone who's not treating you right. It's hard to show reverence to someone who's not really interested in what God says. And yet, I think God in his grace will give wisdom and ability for a godly wife to see something good and respectful, respectable in him. Or put it this way, to see the best in him. And in doing so, to bring the best out. That's a God-given grace that comes to the woman who, who nurtures the inner quality of reverence. Okay, so Paul talked about ladies showing reverence. This talks about that too. But what else? Well, the husbands. Notice this, verse, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Giving honor to the wife that's not the same word as reverence, but it's a similar idea. Gentlemen, your wife needs to feel special. A husband likes to feel special. He likes to feel as though he's not an idiot all the time. Amen? Okay? He likes to feel like once in a while he gets it right. And you have the ability, ladies, to, 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 to encourage not just his ego, but to encourage his heart that you reverence him, that you still esteem him, that you're still willing to follow him. But at the same time, husbands, your wife needs that. There are Christian homes where, in some cases, the wife is being walked on verbally and, and otherwise. She's not being treated tenderly. She's not being reverenced in the biblical way. I like the analogy of, of fine china. You, you, you treat it carefully, you wash it carefully, you, you store it carefully. It's decorative but beautiful and fragile. And, and you treat it with, with respect and care. And gentlemen, that is part of the chemistry I'm talking about. Sometimes, gentlemen, we think we're being Christ-like because, in our opinions, we tend to have high opinions of ourselves. I'm going to bring 
mother better than himself. And so sometimes husbands, we can be demeaning our wives without even realizing it. Instead of saying, you know what? I esteem her. I reverence her. I'm going to honor her as the weaker vessel, as the vessel I'm to care for and to cherish. I'm going to show her respect. <coughs> By the way, that will communicate love as well. And ladies, as, as you are choosing to not use your word to tear him down, but rather to love him and serve and, and be his, his, his wife, that communicates love as well. Let me just sum, summarize this up here as we look. There's something called love and respect. Both sides need it. But what I'm about to tell you, I can't give you a chapter in verse 4. I understand that's dangerous. But what happens when you take love and respect and mix them together? What do you get? I'll tell you what I think that creates. Take some love, Christ-like love. Take some respect and reverence and mix them together. fun to think so. And ladies, does, does he really admire me? Am I really that great? Is my cooking really that good? Wow! But look, look, when you take that self-sacrificing Christ-like love that's willing to give without thought of return, and then you throw in a little bit of reverence, that creates an admiration. And isn't that what often is experienced in the early days of a relationship? And we, we put it down in our cards, in our notes. You're the best. You're amazing. You're, but the, then we find out that we're married to humans. <laughs> Sinners. You know, by God's grace, if we'll nurture Christ-like love, and then remember to show reverence one to another. The ladies are commanded to do it, but the men are told to show honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. If we're both showing love, if we're both showing respect, there's a spirit of admiration, mutual admiration, and that's a powerful thing. Wouldn't you agree there are powerful forces trying to pull us apart? Worldly forces on the outside, selfish forces on the inside trying to blow us apart. If you're saved, you have the greatest, not force, but the greatest power of all, that's God himself, amen? And Christ is the center, and we have the Holy Spirit to give us his enablement to, to show this kind of love and to have these kind of virtues. But we need some force to keep us together and to make it better. And sadly, sometimes we just reach a certain plateau of, I guess this is as good as it's going to get, and then we stop trying. But then sadly, things start to fall apart. Maybe we need some chemistry. Maybe we need to say, okay, what, what can I add to the mix here? And there are some men who are who are sacrificially serving their wives. And 
yet somehow they don't make their wife feel special. She doesn't feel honored. She feels demeaned. It's possible to serve someone and make them feel like a pain. That doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> okay, I'll serve again. I guess you need the help. That doesn't, that's not romantic, is it? And yet if that service, guys, if that service was done in a way that showed honor to the wife, she doesn't feel demeaned by your service. She feels encouraged and lifted up, and it, and it warms her heart, right? And you can flip that around. Ladies, there are some ladies here. You're, you wait on your husband hand and foot, believe me, and he knows it. And he, he probably doesn't even know half of what you do. But sometimes a lady can say, well, well I serve him, I submit to him, and I, 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 I wash his socks, and I, I serve, and I cut, and I, whatever he says, I do it. And yet, if that service, if that love, if you will, isn't coupled with reverence, then it's, okay, here's your dinner. <laughs> and without that reverential touch, you don't have any sympathy at all. It all goes out the window. Love plus reverence creates that admiration. And wouldn't it be great to have a little mutual admiration once in a while? Amen? Amen. Wouldn't that help? It's not just a pragmatic thing. his grace we can nurture that and be honest about the fact that our sin hurts the marriage our selfishness hurts the marriage using my words to tear down ladies can do it men can do it it hurts the marriage confess it to god confess it to one another be good forgivers amen be be willing to forgive and then get back to the old-fashioned hey you know what you're great you're special saw mom and dad madly in love? When the grandkids come over, they're embarrassed because grandma and grandpa are so madly in love? That's okay. That'd be good. That'd be a wonderful thing. And God can stir that up again by his grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need your grace. You've given us high callings. You've called the men to love as Christ loves the church. You've called wives to Submit even to disobedient and ungodly husbands. And yet both sides need love. Both sides need respect and reverence. And Lord, by your grace, as we give those things, as we show those things, I pray that you would rekindle in these couples that spark of admiration, that good, godly chemistry, to bring the joy back, to bring the laughter back, to bring the closeness back. And Lord, at the center of it all, that we would love you with all of our hearts. You be the center of our lives and our relationship. Lord, take these thoughts and heal our homes.